Podemic. In honor of an ongoing pandemic situation, what's the last podcast you listened to that you weren't on? Uh, I'm Katie Rich, and my podcast time has been severely limited by the lack of childcare, but I did listen to Karina Longworth's emergency mini-sode about the 1918 flu pandemic and the movie industry, which was fascinating. I'm Matt Patches, and yes, I'm not listening to as many podcasts, but I still have to do the dishes during a pandemic, which means I am listening to podcasts, which means I am listening to iPodius, a new 12-episode series from John Hodgman and uh, Elliot Kalin of the the Flop House, and they're just talking about every episode of uh, iClaudius, that BBC miniseries from the 70s. It's awesome. Is uh, is the flop house at all related to uh, Chapo Trap House? Not at all. Different different neighborhoods. Nor the nor the Talk House podcast. Nor the Talk no, House. None so of many these houses. I just picture one giant suburban lot full of all of these house podcasts. Um, I would highly recommend the Flop House as well. The war room like. being within located within. We're what it's in the deep state bunker beneath that neighborhood. Uh, I'm David O'Rourke. Yeah, and Wait, 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 oh, oh, wait. You're right. not the David that goes yes, first. Hold up, hold up. I'm Dave Gonzalez, uh, and I just finished listening to the other Latif series from Radiolab, which is about Guantanamo Bay. Super fun, but in-depth in six epi- six parts, and great for walking around the house in circles. And I, I'm David Erlock, and mm-hmm. uh, I recommend a podcast that I would imagine a lot of people listen to the show probably already listened to, but uh, the most recent episodes of reply all have been really good. They did one before shit uh, broke down across the world about a, uh, a song. It actually has a film component. The director, one of the directors of ready or not the radio silence team uh, had a song in his head that he half remembered from childhood. And he had a sort of, sort of a, an obsessive personality and really couldn't, function until he could figure out what this song was and it grows into an odyssey of trying to figure out what the song that no one can quite recognize uh is and it is quite a satisfying ending um i had no idea that guy was a real director a real director uh and so yeah and then, and then the recent episodes have been sort of uh mailbags about life during the pandemic there have been a number of them but the reply all team always puts a unique spin. That's always a good podcast. Check it out. I love a snappy lightning round. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 294, Pandemic 3, for the week of Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. That is the day that in 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. and thousands of demonstrators arrived in Montgomery in protest of the Selma Bloody Sunday assault. So think of all those people all together in one place, (laughs) gathering. Exercising their rights to gather. Don't have that anymore. Dang. Uh, I don't know what to think. <laughs> That's a weird way of framing that. I'm just, you know, anytime, like, I mean, you've done this. Like, you watch a movie or you, like, think about a time when you were in a large group of people. You were like, wow. Just Remember happened. we could be in large groups of people? What's the largest group of people you've ever been in, Katie? Hmm. 
Probably like at a music festival, like at Governor's Ball or something. That's what I was hoping you would say. I'm just curious what music festival you dare to attend. Ugh, music or like festivals. a sp- I mean, music festivals are not my thing. Or like a, I, I went to like a game at Michigan Football Stadium, which I think is like a hundred thousand people. But like, does it like a stadium where like you're in an assigned seat? Does that count? I don't know if it does. You're not really mulling about. You're not flowing through the group of people. What's the largest group of people you've been in? Trying to think. Yeah, that's a good question. Demonstration of sorts, you know. Yeah, two thousand. I wasn't like the women's march. New York DNC protest, maybe. RNC protest march because I had to care for my child. Lame, but you know, it it really depends on where you. No, she wasn't born yet when the women's march happened. What are you talking about? True. Then I have January twenty (laughs) seventeen. I thought I was taking care of my child. He was a tiny baby. I had another reason. Wow, you wow, I just used my child to get out of the women's march. <laughs> your unborn daughter as an excuse to get out of the women's march. Uh, You're not the, even conceived daughter. daughter. It, it kind of depends where you draw the, the borders because certainly like the largest group of like flesh to flesh packed like sardines humanity was probably at a protest of some kind or a march. Well, I guess they're sort of one and the same. But then, you know, like... Uh, being in uh, like Shinjuku Station in Tokyo during rush hour, where there are half a million people pouring through, whatever the case might be. Um, I guess like technically more people still in a concentrated space, but you don't really feel the crush as intensely. I don't know. I don't know. I would uh, I would take both right now if I could do so worry free. Yeah. Oh yeah. Imagine give being me, at Penn Station. Four, How five, happy will you be to go back to Penn Station? I will never be happy to go back to Penn Station. <laughs> Let's talk about Grand Central. Yes, absolutely. I'll stand in a crowd. I'll sit at the information booth. I'll look up at the stars on the ceiling. It'll be wonderful. But uh, Penn Station could fucking burn as far as I'm concerned. You have not lived Penn Station until you have a New Jersey commute where one train goes down, blocks the only tunnel that allows trains to go to New Jersey from New York, and then you have to figure out how to get home when you're in New York, it's, it's, it was scary. It and they do that five hours. They, I took they do that thing where they don't tell you what track it's going to be on until five minutes before it gets in. And so everyone's just sort of standing around the board and then like waiting to get a fraction of a second jeopardy style advantage over the other commuters. <laughs> and as soon as it pops up on the flipboard, it's just a fucking mad dash. That's a great system. I'm literally <laughs> step. I'm stepping on the molecules of COVID-19 trying to <laughs> leverage myself. <laughs> Good. Stepping on them and wiping them out. Yeah, yeah show that virus is boss. <laughs> if only we could punch viruses. I it's crazy that them. it's crazy that COVID nineteen can survive in New Jersey, given everything else that's in the air there. That's real resilience. That's true. Or in, or like near the Gowanus Canal. Right. Sure there's been some infections in Gowanus. It, it only makes it stronger. Like, yeah, that's true. It's, it's true. <laughs> uh, David, I hear we have a, a review this week. We have a uh, review. One listener who knows how to spend their time indoors. <laughs> yeah, I will say, even though uh, I think our, our plan last week, this week, and maybe for the foreseeable future will sort of be to reflect the chaos of our world right now and have a free-for-all, sort of go off the rails with these episodes, we will still read your reviews that they come in. Uh, we are more eager to hear from, from you, from strangers, uh, than ever. Remind us you're out there, that you're listening, and we hope you're well. We have a review today from Haber345, who says, A message from a relative youth. Five stars, hello. Elder Gen Zer here. Katie talking about the end of proms and graduations brings up an interesting point from my experience. I live with other 22-year-olds in Manhattan, and all three of us are at our relative parents' places. 
Many of my friends who are still in college are having really rough times. My brother, for example, is being forced to go back down to his college campus in Maryland, pack everything up, and bring it home to Long Island. It sounds like a nightmare. A message that went out after they were told not to worry. Other friends of mine were studying abroad and were pulled back, often without college credit. Jesus. Not to mention everyone who is trapped in the city, either broke or working, which many are, because coffee shops remain open, so shifts are to be had. Well, not anymore. Um, Not anymore. People are still in school, but at home. We're all going to be taking classes online for the rest of the semester, probably pass-fail. And there are a lot of college graduates who now have either neither a final semester nor a job market to find themselves in. Chaotic times for the late teens slash early 20-somethings. In better news, so many of my friends who aren't movie fans have found things to watch. I even started to make personalized streaming lists via Instagram for friends and eventually strangers as a means of just giving people things to watch. Many books that's are a great idea. That's a great idea. Many books are being read, art is being made, and FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, Netflix party, cast with a K. Okay, we are fucking through the looking glass here, people. I was, I thought I was hip because I knew what Zoom was before, you know, Saturday night. But uh, cast, I, I have been lost. Um, have become good <laughs> ways of keeping in touch. I found myself taking over, talking over the phone with people I've mostly not spoken with in the months. I like that. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's how I what I like in the months. I think the way that time is passing in 2020, uh, we could just refer to them as the months in an ominous months. sort of way. You could call it the title of a play. People will know what you're talking about. So weird upsides of isolation. As of now, the kids are all right. Assuming they're not the idiots on spring break, of course. This review was very helpful. Haber345 for letting us know what's happening, at least for me, just one borough away over the bridge. Uh, waving to you from Clinton Hill. Uh, what the fuck is cast? I don't know. Wait, quick straw poll <laughs> of this podcast. All you three tapped in hip kids. Who among you knew or heard Zoom, heard of Zoom prior to, let's say, 10 days ago? My entire company is based off Zoom Shut chatting. Shut your so. whole patches. I, I work remotely for a large corporation. Oh I use Zoom all the time. I was forced into it by Katie's corporation. You're exposing yourself as a uh, <laughs> mom Dave, and pop Dave, you had shopper. your first Zoom meeting, yeah. like, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, it was, like, like really right early, before. and it was just because we were all remote anyway, and I was like, what is this? Oh, Wait, hey, look at all the you features. You joined just in time. Dave, mm-hmm. had you, have you since then used or been asked to use or whatever Zoom in any capacity with anyone else? And not only that, we've been discussing whether to use Cast. Uh, okay, I have, for I have thoroughly <laughs> been which, hoisted on my own petard here. <laughs> uh, but no, we've been thinking about doing... Uh, so in the Storm Spoilers, my other podcast, <clears throat> we have a Patreon group. And that Patreon group has been finding different ways to watch things together. Uh, Joanna heroically is doing uh, another sub podcast uh, with Kristen from the Buffering podcast called Feels Like the First Time, where it turns out Kristen hasn't seen things like Lord of the Rings or Indiana Jones or any of the Fast and Furious movies or any James Bond movies. So Joanna is showing her groups of three movies over weekends. It's the new Kino Katie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I I watched movies for the first time first. <laughs> yeah. You were the first one to watch things for the first You're time and realize mm-hmm. people wanted opinions. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we one of the methods to do that is like the Netflix watch along, and the other one that uh, we've been looking at giving a try is cast with a K, which is a way mm. to uh, watch movies in groups. Mm. I did one of those on Saturday. I was doing a, a, a attempt at a karaoke party via Zoom, mm-hmm. and we used... Um, 
like watch together with a two, like the number two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. It worked okay. It would, the entire experience was very buggy, and we gave up on the karaoke very early. That that really is, I think, the kind of thing you can't replicate. I have yeah. been roped into a uh, happily, but uh, into a massive, totally Zoom dependent coastal or coast to coast game of uh, mafia that is being run by uh, my friend uh, Sophia to call director of the recent black Christmas among other films. Um, And, uh, and her husband, Larry, who, uh, whose recent black bear was at Sundance. Uh, And remember film festivals feel so long ago. Um, And it's like a 19 person game of mafia, which I think I've played like only once or twice in real life, uh, that we, I mean, my inbox has just been wall to wall, uh, mafia related emails all day long. It does seem possible to do this online. This is not the to first be clear, mafia, the game where like one person is the mafia per a guy and like assassinating different people in the group or no mafia. Like we are an organized crime unit who is going to begin price gouging ah. for stolen, uh, N95 masks. Mm. Uh, so when you say game, you mean uh, uh, rackets. Uh, Rico. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you see the Irishman? It's like that. Except for in this <laughs> game, I feel like I'm definitely a minor character. They are I, – I, I might be the only New Yorker who's playing, and they all have done this before, both in person and online. And there are clearly elaborate, like, side threads happening and uh, – and conversations, and I'm just sort of on the periphery taking it all in. <laughs> but uh, we have nightly at 11 o'clock tonight, um, and every night this week, we have town halls uh, with all 19 of us coming together to interrogate one another. So uh, tonight is the oh first one of those. So maybe I will, uh, maybe I'll learn a little bit more information. I cannot divulge in this podcast or anywhere else my say, role in this game. No, I cannot. But uh, are you, are you the s- mafia? Are you mafia? Uh, I I would never be in the mafia. It would make no sense for a newcomer like me, who is just new to this lovely town of Moff, to uh, immediately throw themselves into the deep end of organized mm-hmm. crime. Please, I'm just trying to get settled, raise a family. Um, but <laughs> he's just trying to do the Animal Crossings version of whatever <laughs> that game is. Has anyone played Animal Crossings? Oh yes. We're, tell me, tell me about. I know Patches has because while I was on, you know, doing my Fortnite duos with my friends here, I saw his. Fortnite. Yeah, there's a buff cat in it, man. There's anyway. a buff cat. Yeah, what he's a muscular. Like oh. It's it's like a big muscular man, except his head is like a cat, and he has a tail. So things are wow. going well in Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway, but I saw you uh, logged on to to play some Animal Crossing, which means you started at. You've got a Tom Nook mortgage to pay now. We did. I felt a lot of pressure at Polygon because everyone at Polygon is obsessed with Animal Crossing. And it turns out my wife, Michelle, was also an Animal Crossing player back in the uh, N64 and GameCube era. And she's been playing this um, mobile game, Stardew Valley, uh, which if you need a good mobile game where you just fish and farm and have a good time, that is the one for you if you do not have a Nintendo Switch. But uh, it was the obvious progression for Michelle to jump to Animal Crossing. And I said, I am so tired of trying to figure out what to watch on Netflix when so much is bad. And I just don't think that there's a lot of, of good TV to watch right now, which is strange because there's 18 television shows coming out every single week. But um, Not anymore. We, ha- we have turned to Animal Crossing, which is, again, just like, hey, we're going to go to an island. Step one. Bill, put, set up your tent. 
Step two, collect some bugs. Step three, pull some weeds out of the island and really beautify this place. It's just a peaceful game. Um, people so you at just Polygon, like get to be outside and accomplish things? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, nice. especially when we can't go anywhere. I think Animal Crossing is a really good virtual parallel universe for, for getting out and feeling the breeze. The, it, the music is very... Uh, ethereal and, and pastoral and the graphics are very sweet. It's only a positive. It, you don't even feel like there's a challenge to the game. You're just trying to get the best things accomplished for everybody else who lives on the island. And it, you can go really pretty hard and collecting bugs and making money. Yeah. As mentioned, Tom Nook is the, uh, raccoon. Actually, he's not a raccoon. He's, um, <laughs> what is the Japanese word for the raccoon dog? Tanuki? The Tanuki. He's a Tanuki. He, he kind of seems like and a bad dude from what I gather on the internet. He is a, definitely a capitalist, and he would probably suggest that everyone go back to work despite scientific research telling otherwise uh, to stimulate mm, the economy. He wants, he, he want, he wants to end the uh, quarantine. Yeah. But he does see the value in detaching oneself from life and like living on an island alone and just being peaceful. He just needs rent as well. That's the part <laughs> sure. of Tom Nook. But uh, yeah, so far, it, the interesting thing about Animal Crossing is it goes day by day and it knows what day it is. And you tell it your birthday, you tell it what season it is, and you can only get so much accomplished in a day. The game kind of, you'll, you'll hit a wall like, oh, you're going to buy a house. Great. It'll be done tomorrow. So you have to come back and either play it tomorrow or and the next you year. Can't, you I, I, I really hope you cannot pay to sort of skip forward in time in some way. You can't. You can kind of crack your Nintendo Switch settings and time travel, if you will. But mm-hmm. why do it? I mean, it's yeah. just pointless. It's take a break, come back, take a break, come back. Especially when you're like us and you have a kid. I mean, I've been talking to friends who are just bought a switch out of like i'm trapped in my new york apartment and what else am i going to do with my time so they're now playing breath of the wild for eight hours a day i mean um, beautiful. at least on the weekends no it's, a, it's a, that's a sounds amazing but when you have a kid and every day is exactly the same and you wake up at 7 a.m no matter what and you have to <laughs> go on their schedule um we're still only playing i've, animal I've crossing been playing like uh, neo tops. 2 which is like a cr- the opposite of animal crossing it's like one of those dark souls games but it's by team ninja it's a crucible i mean it's really designed just to like beat you down as a human being which i find strangely cathartic because you can actually with enough practice and suffering uh make progress and conquer the literal demons in this game which is uh, something (laughs) we can't really do in real life right now but but par for the course in these souls and souls like games there is no pause button even if you hit the PS button to go to the main menu of the PlayStation 4. You're just getting uh, walloped off You're just getting destroyed off That's screen. Amazing. And so I had, I, but I didn't realize that quite. Like, I knew there was no pause button, but I thought that I had found this incredibly clever uh, workaround that no one had ever thought of before, uh, slash the most obvious solution to this problem. And uh, Asa was on my lap, and he was, like, kind of blissed out for a little while. And then he started kicking, and I was in the middle of this boss that I've been fighting for, like, two days. <laughs> and I was like, aha, I got it. And uh, I had been working on the boss for like 25 minutes, but I was like, I'm just going to put the controller down. I'm going to hang out with Asa for a little while, and then we just relax. I'll come back. And I came back, of course, to the game over screen, uh, which was wonderful. <laughs> but I find it, I find uh, playing something like Neo 2 relaxing these times. Yeah, I, I, that's what I wanted to ask all you guys. Like, I've seen a lot of people, you know, our colleagues and our s- publications that we we 
all read and frequent, and I'm sure listeners of the show do, people trying to recommend stuff that's really comforting, uh, relaxing, or escapism that has value. Um, I think that's interesting, because I don't really... Well, one, I don't really look for relaxation and comfort from most entertainment, but I also don't think of even, like, the office or something that you could endlessly binge as comforting. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't look for these types of stories for comfort and I'm not finding it in these types of stories either. Do you, do you, uh, I don't know, feel the same way or do you actually, can you escape through movies, TV, that sort of thing? Hmm. I mean, the most comforting comfort? thing I've, I've found about watching like, you know, blockbusters and stuff Last night, I just watched Big because it, I opened HBO and it's like, hey, watch Big. And I'm like, I think I will, HBO. I will yeah. do anything is, HBO tells me right now. Yeah, but also, but also like being told to watch Big is like, I accept this challenge. Yeah, like I could do I could do that. Um, does, but does Big I, hold up? Let's, uh, let's pause. Does Big hold up? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Well, first of all, it is first of all, definitely... Tom Hanks has, uh, coronavirus let's just uh, yeah yeah yes hey that, he's out of the hospital we need to think about this more tom hanks is doing great he's, tom hanks he's is doing updating fine. us regularly and encouraging us all to stay mm-hmm. home i feel like tom hanks's success story is something we we are taking for granted and we need to all appreciate the fact that he was in the hospital he got better he has a uh, vision of a potential future in which we all take care of ourselves and uh, get proper help but without like a documentary about his recovery should be uh, yeah i mean i, I would watch but without diminishing the severity of this virus, which is lethal and uh, can obviously kill people who even feel as if they are not in the danger zone. Was there really ever any doubt? I mean, the fucking coronavirus was not going to kill Tom Hanks. Come on. That's like, that's just not happening. Like, like it would like be now we're tempting fate. Yeah, yeah I know. Who is it going to, is going to kill Idris Elba now that you said that, David? I mean, yeah. it's not going to kill Idris Elba for other reasons. I'm not Idris Elba him. is indomitable. <laughs> like, I don't think anything could kill Idris Elba at this point, but, uh, like physically. He's black but, Superman, as he says. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Fast and the Hobbs and Shaw has been on cable. I can only yeah, watch five minutes at full, a time without fucking, title. like, bleeding out of my brain. But, HBO wants me to watch Hobbs um, and Shaw. But, Hobbs and Shaw is not bad. There is no virus on Earth that could fell that that man right now. But uh, all right, you want to predict the first celebrity to die? I really do not. Although, literally last night, and this is why you shouldn't have these conversations even in jest. I was on a Zoom with some of my friends. Uh, We were zooming together. Uh, So we're all Zoomers now, regardless of age. Thirty (laughs) five. I'm a Zoomer all over. And uh, the conversation sort of turned to which because we're all you know Radiohead fanatics uh, go on all their tours together, and we were like. I really hope, you know, which uh, a member of Radio doesn't get it. And then I was like, but if they, if one did, it's probably going to be Ed O'Brien. And today, Ed O'Brien sent it on Instagram. <laughs> he was like, oh I can't get a test, but I'm pretty sure I have COVID-19. And I was like, oh my God, what Jay, a horror stop. movie is yeah. this where you talk on Zoom and someone gets it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another movie that we could make. This but, is going to be, yeah, the, the the movie pitches keep coming. But I'm watching where Elise and I are at the season eight of ER, which is the season where all of the the original cast members who are still around begin to inexplicably leave without warning. And uh, for Tom Hanks who have bowed out from our, our time, our lives, his time on earth, et cetera, uh, due to coronavirus, uh, it would have just been like a character who I will not name because ER spoilers are sacred, uh, leaving the end of like episode 10 of season eight, in the middle of December sweeps for some reason. 
It's bullshit. Don't you look forward to Tom Hanks winning another Oscar now? Because uh, he'll be the symbol of our recovery from coronavirus. I do. You think they'll have Oscars? Wait. wait, that's a whole nother. I don't want to open that can of worms. Dave, <laughs> I, is Big good? I said we had to wait to talk about the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, Big's good. It's like um, uh, when I saw it, it obviously established a part of me that would, you know, try to keep like certain parts of man childness about. But I would play it, with toys well into your 30s. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, but more importantly, I think as a, you know, uh, post 2016, uh, reevaluation of, you know, masculinity, big plays really interestingly because it's just like Elizabeth Perkins, who plays the love interest, is just like looking for someone to act like a man. And when she finds it, it's this super like non predatory childlike innocence that she sort of coaxes into a sexual relationship that she doesn't know that she's doing. And so it all, like the whole, uh, you know, I had sex with a 12 year old and a 30 year old's body played weird, you know, initially. But now it's even more complex and interesting where it's just like, uh, all the men in this world are just so trash that the one she finally finds is like a 12 year old. Wouldn't it be amazing if the job market was so rich and ripe that um, someone with absolutely no resume and the mind of a 13 year old could get a legitimate position at a toy company right now? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, I mean, right now, right now, no one's getting uh, hired for a lot of different things, but I think exactly. in, you know, as recently as two weeks ago, when we had an economy, uh, I think you could still rock it into improbable success if you were a TikTok without star, a for resume. Example. Without yeah, a resume. I mean, like your resume would have to be no, your TikTok yeah, account. Yeah, think about yeah. how many like dumbass like Instagram ins- No, but like I mean, I guess the Instagram is easy, yeah, exactly. Right? And yeah. like in, in big, all he has is like a fun imagination, <laughs> like an idea yeah. for a toy. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's a bit. Well, he comes up with Transformers Beast Wars in a movie years before Transformers Beast Wars came out. So Whoa, fan I theory. always thought that was great. That show well, in theory exists because of big. Uh, I will say, I don't want to, Dave, I want to, I want to uh, step into Westworld for a moment. Um, you know, the park or the show? The, the I would escape to the park right now. I know it, it, things can go Which awry. One? Um, well, War World seems a little bit dodgy for me. I don't know if that's an experience <laughs> I necessarily need to live for. You don't, you don't think they embrace Jews in there? <laughs> no, I think, they uh, embrace them. <laughs> sure. Um, I, uh, but, you know, I, I, I marvel at Joanna Robinson's talent for genuinely covering anything in a way that like her enthusiasm for it, her duty to find some meat on the bone uh, gets me to at least appreciate what she is seeing in it. Um, but I, Does that mean I, you're not reading my coverage? What the hell? I'm not. Yeah, there's only, I, there's really only so much time in my <laughs> life for Westworld coverage, but like <laughs> the second season of Westworld is, I think we can all, all agree as a, as a people. now that we're all brought together by this virus, uh, that the worst thing that's ever happened on television and, uh, oh, short of cool. Trump's, oh. uh, uh, press briefings. But, um, I, I'm just overwhelmed by how boring the third season is so far. Like, really? who could possibly care about this I love anymore? It. I think it's great. Oh, I, my God. Explain so to me how. Boring. Thank you. Yeah. Every, every scene just disappears further. I mean, not quite as up its own asshole as all of season two is. And, like, I appreciate, kind of, that they're trying to right the ship 
in some ways in this season and, and trying to dumb it down as Richard Lawson wrote. But uh, I, I just find like every scene is more boring than the last. And then by oh, the time so there was that Game of Thrones crossover nod in the episode last night, I was like, we have jumped the, the dragon here because why am I watching patches? I haven't left my house in days. I have nothing to do. <laughs> I'm just waiting. Yeah, but the rate Dave watch you're, big you're and you're, you're alone. I have, I have an hour to kill before Kirby enthusiasm comes and shines now, a okay. brief, but fading now light on the universe. Movies. And uh, fucking plot for America doesn't come on until Monday nights. I need something here. Let me pitch you on season four of Westworld. Larry goes to Westworld. <laughs> oh no, my Larry God. Larry goes to War World. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, be incredible. Um, I, I dig Westworld this season. I've dug all three seasons. I do think season two was totally convoluted and you had to fall down the rabbit hole to enjoy it. But this season, I'm not there. Like, I did not do the mental preparation to try and be the like code cracker of Westworld. There's not much of that in this season um i will watch tandy newton tandy newton tandy tandy i think tandy newton's incredible she needs like an action franchise immediately episode two was just her bond movie we didn't get a bond movie in april but we are getting tandy newton espionage shooting people up and just being a total badass uh, that is a pleasure erase Mission Impossible 2 from our collective memory, please. No, we should erase Mission Impossible 2 because she doesn't <laughs> get to be the action star. She doesn't get to be Tom Cruise in that movie. So. I mean, the, the the car chase slash like eye fuck scene in the beginning of that movie uh, has, has stayed in my great. brain for 20 years now. Rewatching that in the lead up to Fallout, uh, I had I had to reconsider Mission Impossible. We need to find it's our a, Bolero forum to stop the chimera that is this fucking virus. Oh, fuck that. Uh, well, J.J. Abrams had the worst MacGuffin. We all know that Mission Impossible 3 is the worst. Let me just rip that can of worms open. <laughs> I'm not taking, I, you know, in the Take words the of bait. Tom Hardy, that's bait, and I'm not taking it. But tell me tell me more about how you're tolerating Westworld Season 3. Other than John oh, Gallagher yeah. Jr., who I love seeing in the pilot, and uh, I thought did a perfect Donald Trump Jr., but smarter. I mean, this season is definitely like a concept <laughs> art show. It's very much about architecture and seeing how the world has evolved. Is it about architecture or does it just feature architecture? <laughs> I, I think the pleasures of it are about architecture. Well, it's actually that was a about good sure, it has Katie. beautiful architecture. It's also about architecture. It's about the architecture of civilization and putting everyone on a path and an algorithm and creating simulations. <laughs> <laughs> you could get into that. But that's not the... Here was the big question that this all started with was comfort viewing. Katie, tell me, are you finding any comfort in your in your view? Wow, you How really you just pivoted comfort? so hard out of defending Westworld. Yeah. I feel like you I don't can't have defend a, it. You either like it or you don't. It's the third season. This is definitely the last season. There's no going on. Uh, like this show is. It does feel that way, right? Like they ran out of yeah. gas a while ago, and they're just like every time they tour. hit a dead end, they're like uh, the four. And the ratings are bombing. I mean, I don't think yeah. anyone's watching the show, so. No, because it is really not what you want to watch in a pandemic, among many other things. Well, that's why I haven't watched Plot Against America yet, because I'm just like, this is going to be too heavy. What, I, don't what I does, have really enjoyed Plot Against America. I'm Plot struggling America to see what Plot, with Plot Against America has in common with our daily reality right now. It seems uh, pretty far removed to me. I mean, it's about a version of the past <laughs> oh, okay. in which things could have gone worse. <laughs> like, I think that's what I like about it is that it's, you're like looking at the past and being like, wow, this is a crazy, horrible thing that didn't happen. And like, at least we have the society built off of 
the opposite of this. Um, and there's also like David Simon is like watching people and societies form and like what breaks them apart. I've seen, I think more episodes than have aired. So only, only one has aired. And as we record this okay. right now, the second one is aired. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I've seen three, um, with the screeners. Um, I've enjoyed it. My comfort viewing has been Brooklyn Nine Nine, sure. which I have been catching up on. Um, I don't like, I don't know what to further endorse Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's like the only networks that come I still watch at this point, I think. Um, and it's, great it has just an ensemble of people who i like watching and it is so simple it is a completely uh you know well-engineered pleasure that i bring into my life and i don't know what we're going to do when we um, finish catching up on it recommend another sitcom to you that i want more yeah. people to watch because no young one sheldon absolutely uh, <laughs> af- young sheldon and um <laughs> mythic quest have you heard of mythic quest? what is that okay do you get apple tv plus yes good because Mythic Quest, for some reason, received zero promotion from Apple, was dumped on the service in February, and it is very much like a Mike Schur type. Everyone is friends, and we're trying to make it in this chaotic occupation that we're in, sitcom. And it is about, uh, if Parks and Rec was about the Parks and Recreation Office, this one is about a video game development office they are basically running not a Fortnite would not be the right example i would get burned by gamers uh for using that comparison but i, I don't know if like talking about world of warcraft would compute for you katie but uh you made me play warcraft what are you talking no, about we made you play warcraft not world of warcraft <laughs> all right we did an entire episode about Jesus the Warcraft. i saw the warcraft movie what are you yes, talking I about i know you Gul'dan is your son's name Gul- get it it is um the point is, this sitcom, Mythic Quest, is about this team of people trying to run a uh, multiplayer online game. And they, you know, the main character is this young woman who is the lead developer, and she is uh, being crushed by this kind of auteur game maker played by, um, oh God, from Always Sunny, uh, Rob McElhenney. Uh, McElhenney. Um And he and Charlie Day created this show with um one of their and uh, this other woman who worked at always sunny whose name i'm gonna forget and that's good that i'm erasing the woman who worked on the show that's great um yeah. as you always do and yeah this is just like a f marie abraham is on the show um tons of tons of people are on the show and it's just a, a great ensemble no one has watched this sitcom and in this time where it's like i think we were talking a few weeks ago about how they don't make shows that just could run endlessly uh this show could run endlessly this is a great sitcom that no one is watching uh, with some really standout performances. And I don't know. How do I get people to watch Apple TV Plus? If Apple TV Plus won't promote the shows, why is it on me? Uh, they've got a uh, show of Nicholas Holt coming up in a couple months. So I uh, want to watch that. Wait, they do? What is it? The Great? No, that's on Hulu. Like Fanning? Come on. Oh, shit. Really? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's a show. I just saw people talking about it today. I, I was the trailer for it, it came out today. that it was a uh, a movie. Um, there are no movies anymore, David. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on every new show that comes out now because it's like it's kind of the only morsels we're going to get forget for a while. So run on HBO with Donald Gleason like that oh better god. fucking be good. Oh my god! Because new TV is going to be few good. and far between. I think uh, my wife. Right up to today, I was very excited to be, remi- be reminded that The Crown has already shot all of season four. What, so what is this show? Hopefully they'll be able to piece that together in time for the holiday season. What is this show about? I've seen the trailers in front of Westworld, a great show. 
what is Run about? Run. Wait, Katie has seen I episodes. Have no idea. I probably I'm not. I am probably not allowed to talk too much about it. I will no, say it's like basically Donald Gleason and Merritt Weaver are uh, had been a couple in a previous life, and they had a deal that if they ever wanted to uh, drop everything and come to each other, they would uh, text the word "run," and they do, and then they meet up on a train. Um, and it's like it's kind of like a before sunrisey, like two people finding themselves in a situation, like uh, romantic tension story. Um, probably I, I, I've seen a little bit of it. I think I've not seen the whole thing. So I think there's probably more to come. Um, but if you have ever found Donald Gleason sexy, you probably want to watch it. I am one of those people. Ooh, <laughs> comfort. So much. Yeah. You, you, you have uh, so least. much to choose from. You have like that black mirror episode and this. <laughs> and Ex Machina, and Ex Machina and the Star Wars movies where if you don't think he's sexy, you're not paying attention. And Anna Karenina. Oh, Anna Karenina. He's a big beard. Oh, yeah. uh, I, he does. He's got this great love story with Alicia Vikander. I have, on at least three occasions since quarantine began, sat there with the remote in my hand and been like, now is now the time that I actually hit play on devs? And yet, oh, every no. time no. my devs is good. thumb is on the cursor and I'm moving towards it, my you eyelids watch ER get heavy, <laughs> and I just can't bring myself to Death pull the trigger. It's a strange show. And I watch ER instead, right? Uh, Michelle and I have been talking about how it's like kind of it's relaxing. Like it's obviously involved, heavy, not heavy, uh, just heady drama. Like it's obviously Alex Garland doing his big sci-fi ideas show, but it's laid back. Like we find it very. We don't have to. We we could look away and come back to it, and it would be fine. Um, it's I don't know. Sure. It's a strange show. I just find language. It's so hard to focus right now. It's so hard to focus right now that I find that I I am so comforted by returning to something in media res that I've already been watching for a while and familiar with that world and can see it as a point of escapism. Uh, and that's kind of the role of the ER stars for me. But I, I don't have the mental bandwidth to necessarily start something new. Like even something as light as parks and recreation that Elisa and I, who both have an absolute like uh, cilantro like allergy to the office have been uh, really putting off getting into parks and recreation. And we uh, started watching the pilot and five minutes into it, she said, Nope. <laughs> and wow. that was, uh, that was that. And like, I started watching undone on Amazon today and, uh, everything about the show seems super interesting, but I just couldn't really grapple onto it. I did passively watch two episodes of that Netflix show. I'm so not okay with this. I think it's called, um, you know, like the girl, she's in high school. She has magical powers. Yeah. The girl from it. Anything. This ringing about yeah, it's the girl like, from it and the guy from it. Sequel series to end of the world. Yeah. Kind of. Sure. What? There's another show What? on Netflix. Called the end of the uh, world and uh, the fucking world. But yeah, no, wait, it's wait. But does that show have anything to do with? Yeah, that? there is connectivity. I thought, or at least the creator is the same, and the and the comic book source material might have con- connectivity. I don't know. I don't care. Hmm. Anyway, I watched like two episodes of that in the background, and that was easy enough to to roll with. But uh, it's hard. Elisa and I they sent us a screener of the trip to Greece this weekend, uh, which is coming out, I guess, I in that. May. It's not very exciting because the the uh, longer, fuller version is already on TV in the UK, as it, as it always is. This is the cut-down version. And that was nice escapism, but it's actually, like, it reminds me of what I've really been doing is um, 
I set my DVR to record every Bourdain-related episode that airs on Ovation or whatever. Uh, and for whatever reason, like that is the holy trinity of of escapist viewing for me. You have it's like a DVR. perfect kind of counterintuitive fantasy. It's all well, that in VR, but like it's it's like uh, someone having incredible food in beautiful far flung locations, and also that someone is dead. And it's like the Yahtzee of fantasies that I can no longer really. Um, make real, and uh, I find it very calming somehow. You have a DVR? <laughs> I can't get over <laughs> well, it. Like, uh, wait, on my, my cable box, it like, automatically is oh, a DVR I also. I see. I was imagining like it with a, a separate TiVo, yeah. No, not have, like a TiVo. It doesn't go like boop, a moron. Boop, boop. <laughs> yeah. You got to give uh, some giant company three hundred dollars a month for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> like come on. So, do you think that you are reluctant to start a new show because of of the moment? Like, are you? Do you find yourself drawn to just like scrolling through news or uh, waiting for I yes. don't know something? I I don't I can't tell if people endlessly scroll because they're waiting for good news or they're waiting for the next step of bad news so that they can be around for it. Well, uh, I don't know, but I just I, there's a side. There, there's Dave, a, go, I was just gonna say it's it's my AD, ADD and uh, coupled with the mass anxiety in all directions, it's just hard for me to focus. But Dave, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say even if you are paying close attention to the news, you could have a day like I had today, where at two thirty the mayor was like, "We're gonna shut down all non-essential." businesses tomorrow at 5 p.m. By the way, that includes liquor stores and pot dispensaries. So, uh, dispensaries. And so, <laughs> so away, away I, I traveled uh, to stand in very orderly lines that seemed much longer than they were because everybody was six feet apart to pack up on, uh, you know, weed and booze. And then as I'm coming home from my little sojourn, uh, Denver's like, actually, uh, the liquor stores and the dis- dispensaries are going to be categorized as essential because everybody did what I did, <sighs> which makes me feel like an idiot because first of all, that's like exactly what you're not supposed to do. Like the reason they switched that back off is because people like me made a run on it. <clears throat> but on the other hand, if, uh, if those things had been closed for three weeks and I was the person with the pot of the booze, then I'd be like the bidet man in in this time and ruling all. How fully isolated are did you guys say that you are? Like t- today, I went to Costco and I had to like wait in line outside because they are limiting the amount of people inside to keep everybody socially distanced. Yes, yeah, like, worked pretty good. well. And my Costco experience was great, but like I was waiting in line outside, standing next to people, and I was like, oh shit. Uh, and we've started right. going and to play that makes, that makes no sense. Well, I mean, everyone makes, like everyone I mean, had carts, no so like everyone was pretty far apart. It like it was okay. Well, um, that's why the, the the weed places were interesting because the lines were also outside, but everybody was really intent. Like even if they had dogs with them, to stay like six or seven feet apart. That's good. So at the uh-huh. the line like went down and around the block and like in a parking lot, and it looked like we were all going to be there for like hours, but really it was just because everyone was really good with social distance distancing which i guess is how it's supposed to work like i think katie I was really impressed at the oh no go on oh no i think katie's experience is like how it's supposed to happen like yeah, even if like, we go forward i was yeah i was really impressed i went to the walgreens today uh which is like 
not leaving the house. Uh, I, I've been taking my walks, getting my ten thousand steps, capturing my Pokemon every day. Uh, but I discounted really balls don't like to go in. <laughs> uh, I discounted balls. I still haven't paid a penny playing Pokemon Go, which, as someone for me, was a terrible, terrible addiction to some of the other apps like that. Is pretty impressive. Um, but uh, I really don't like going in places. Pokemon Go um, because the social. Pokemon going in places, Pokemon going to the store is really a lot less pleasant than Pokemon walking around the neighborhood. And uh, because the social distancing rules just collapse once people are inside or in Katie's case at Costco um, are in line outside. And uh, I had a pretty decent experience at the uh, Walgreens today in Brooklyn where I went, where uh, there was no line outside because it was not very busy. The weather today was so gross that it really for the first time felt like the streets were totally I am legend, just like totally uh, barren. And, uh, but they did have a armed guard, a cop as they call them uh, standing outside and enforcing a 10 people in the store only rule. And it's a big fucking store. So you really felt the space. And then they had these giant crates at the front of every register that forcibly put at least a few feet between you and the salesperson. Um, wow. which was somewhat effective, I guess, better than nothing. Um, and I was finally able to get, uh, something other than the shitty, not iced chocolate chip pop tarts that they sell at my local <laughs> grocery store. Oh, I was finally so able to get you. delicious s'mores pop tarts in addition this to was the reason you went out? and, uh, other things. No, no, no. I, I needed to get bacitracin for ASIC because he has an infection on his head. Oh, no. Um, and tomorrow I'm really... I'm really afraid uh, I have to go to the doctor for Ace's four month checkup and his, uh, which we, I could theoretically reschedule because he appears to be in good health other than his skin infection. But uh, we also need to get him uh, some vaccines. Yeah, and uh, it. so it's not really optional. And, um, and you're a big anti-vaxxer. So although, I'm a big anti-vaxxer. I know I do want to put a, a pin in that though, because I, I want to double back with all the anti-vaxxers next year when the uh, coronavirus vaccine comes out and see where they stand. But we'll get there <laughs> in due time. Uh, but I, at the doctor's office, the pediatrician by my apartment has, um, as part of Tribeca pediatrics, they're a huge a network of pediatricians in New York and they have sensible policies from the top down. And one of them during the coronavirus is to only see well patients during the morning and sick patients in the afternoon. Yeah. Ours is um, doing that too. But, but at the same time, I just feel like the office has to be such a hotbed of virus. I mean, they found traces, maybe not uh, enough to sicken somebody, but they found traces of the coronavirus on the cruise ship that was docked off Yokohama 17 days later on surfaces. So I have a hard time to imagine that assuming people who are sick with coronavirus have been into this doctor's office in the last two weeks, that there will be virus all up and down that place. Even if I wrap a scarf around my head and wear gloves, uh, they put paper on the table where they examine the baby, but he's going to flop it around on there. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't really know what to do, but I went to the pediatrician last week. I mean, we have 
far fewer cases of coronavirus than in New York. But, uh, you know, we didn't touch anything. They were offering masks to everybody who walked in, basically, regardless of whether or not you seemed sick. I don't know. I feel like a doctor's office is also the place where they're going to they're be taking the most precautions of anywhere that you go. So You think, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, I think they are. I think you'll be fine. Uh, Katie, how has it been going as a mom who you, – you're usually a stay-at-home mom. What? Not Wait, your what? Moms. I'm usually a uh, work well, from work- home mom whose children are at daycare. Yeah. Very different. What I mean is, but you are a mom who stays at home, is what I mean. Yes, with, <laughs> the, with the children uh, elsewhere. But, yes, I'm very well aware of your employment situation. <laughs> and uh, you, are, um, you are now working from home, as you have been doing, but now the kids are home with you, and it's two of them. And two yeah, kids, man. for those of you out there, uh, the, the, who don't know this, and uh, I don't even know it fully, thank God. Uh, two kids is not one more kid than one kid. It is a hundred kids more than one it's, kid. Uh, it's more than uh, one so kid. So I am really curious how this is going. Yeah, I mean, Patch is also credit to you. You have one kid at home who is still, you know, one kid who requires a lot. Um, it's It's a lot of work. I mean, it's me and my husband, Michael. We're both here. Um, our jobs are both relatively flexible enough to jump in and out of whatever we need to do. I've been doing editing from my phone as we walk around the neighborhood in strollers uh, until a couple days ago. We were going to the playground. We're no longer doing that. Yeah, you were, I was just about to say, you mentioned you were going to the playground. Ugh, yeah, Ooh. I mean, we were going to the playground and no, washing no. hands before and after and wiping down surfaces and kind of doing everything we could. And then at a certain point, I just they've closed the parks and, in New Jersey, so I can't even go. I can't even. They've go. closed. The, they've closed the playgrounds here. The parks are still open, so like we went on a walk in the park um, today. Um, it's you know less crowded than Jersey, but yeah, it's uh, really fucking hard. It's hard to feel like you're doing either thing well. Um, I don't know how it's working for you, Patches. Like I feel like my kids are like kind of used to the situation by now like i'm not getting a lot of like when can i go back to daycare and see my kid see my friends questions which i was kind of dreading no my kid keeps pretending her dolls are going to her daycare uh, oh, is really so heartbreaking sad. but is not oh. like aware of the, uh, of the fact that she's not going um yeah look I, you know i love my kid um, but all the days are blurring together. I have absolutely no off time. It's weird, and it's no like even, she this can't is go our to her off activities. Time. Like this right now is like oh this yeah is this crazy. is how I'm spending my Vacation. off time. Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, I think what's what's wild is to hear the the kind of like public government announcements that we're all going to go back to work. It's all going to be peachy in two weeks. Um, it's not like I don't know. Uh-huh. Like I'm just well, well. That's what Trump is trying it, to. Prevent. It will. S- I mean, well, yeah, because six of his top earning uh, clubs and resorts have just been shuttered. But uh, I, I think this is not, to not get something too political that, on Maine. Um, <laughs> right? No, I, I don't. You know, I try to be very careful during situations like this. Do not masquerade as an expert. You see that phenomenon where everyone on Twitter suddenly knows really? everything yeah. about everything. But uh, I don't think you need to be an epidemiologist to understand now that uh, Trump's claim tonight that. The world will be America will be open again, whatever the fuck that means, in potentially fifteen days or a couple of weeks or whatever. No, didn't he say like fifteen days? The like the first seven days having already fifteen happened. days to re yeah, right, right. Yeah, so that would be next week for them to reevaluate. But the, I guess the idea is that America would be, and again, finger quotes, open in a couple of weeks. Uh in a couple of weeks, that will seem as absurd as his comments a couple of weeks ago about, you know, we have fifteen cases and soon we'll have zero, do now. Yeah. I mean, and I think the big thing is, and again, it's there. There could be nothing more useless than 
making this podcast into uh, even more of a time capsule and saying things that will either be verified to our horror or uh, revealed to be uh, ignorant and wrong. But my sense is that until this week, the coronavirus has been a purely abstract concept to most Americans, even though intellectually, we are, some of us anyway, can understand the threat that it poses. But over the next five days, uh, many, many Americans are going to either get sick themselves or know someone secondhand, firsthand, who is sick and died. And maybe they will also get sick themselves. And this will become a very real, tangible uh, crisis. And the idea, the, the whole political like uh, gamesmanship that Trump is playing, the whole calculus that he's been sort of gaming this out will change when he realizes that he cannot lie to people about something that, uh, well, I mean, he can and he will, I'm sure, but it, it will be harder for him to uh, lie to all of the people about things that they or their relatives are dying from. Uh, do you guys know people who have been diagnosed? Uh, uh, I know, I, I don't know anyone who has been confirmed positive because the tests are so few and far between, yeah. but I have my friend Caroline in, in the UK had all the telltale symptoms and has been suffering through it for like nine days now. Um, and seems to be coming out the other side. Um, and, uh, my friend Tom Hanks, uh, <laughs> yeah. he just yeah. got out of it in Australia. He's been so eating a lot. Yeah, you guys. This weekend was the first time that I um, knew people who like people just learning on Instagram. Like no one, especially close, and everyone seems pretty fine. But like hearing about people who I know or like uh, spouses of people who I know who've been diagnosed felt very like oh shit for me. And these are all like relatively young people. Like that's the other thing is like you know that not a lot of young people get very sick, but some do. And then a lot of people get diagnosed and feel horrible um, and are sick and scared. And that's another um, scary aspect. Last thing I've heard, I I know many people who have gotten sick and can't get tested. Um, And even Michelle and I like early on thought we were just like feeling certain types of the symptoms that um, like not, not that intense, but like, Oh, I'm having a chest pain, short of breath experience that is abnormal, but I don't have a cough. And I'm like, yeah, I think we probably had it, and I think everyone's going to get it. <laughs> and I, um, that's just the situation, and it's scary. I've been having chest pains that I think are um, anxiety, and but maybe that's uh, it too. Really into the virus. Like that's the problem. Uh, you don't know, and you're not going to get. Te- you're very likely not going to get tested. So the point is, stay inside. I do right? like the stay idea inside. of. I do, I do like the idea, uh, yes, stay inside, but I, I like the, this new symptom that, uh, people seem to you be can't taste jumping or on, smell. which is that, uh, yeah, like 30%, 30% of people in South Korea who were diagnosed positive lost their sense of taste and smell, which is, I think, a, a really good way of differentiating this from something else. But obviously, it's not a telltale. It's not applying yeah, to 100 Yeah, one of the people. people who I knew who described her symptoms on Instagram said she'd lost all appetite. Wild. Um, which seems related to that. Well, My hope is that by the time I get it, which, like you were saying, Patches, like it feels like we're all going to get it, that like there will be enough tests by then that I'll know. So I'm just trying to delay it as long as possible, which also seems like the goal of flattening the curve. Yeah, but we, yes. can't, we can't really compatulate to the idea of we're all going to get it, even if we do successfully flatten the curve, which does allow for people to get it just at a longer period of time. Uh, I, there, it's a thin line between that and the sort of herd immunity 
uh, approach that Boris Johnson was taking for a hot minute before they didn't realize that it would get millions of Britons killed. I am doing my best. I am delaying me getting this as long as possible by staying home as much right. as possible. That's all you can do, of yeah. course. Of course. That's all you can do. To, to kind of like wrap up this show and maybe take us back onto a cultural path, I guess when I hear people talking, I mean, it's inevitable. Like something is going to bring people back to normalcy question is when and how long most people can be contained in this uh self-quarantining way i keep thinking about like what will one bring people back kind of break this 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 uh run we're having with self-quarantining i mean people a lot of people are doing a good job a lot of people are not doing a good job but something is just going to bring everyone back because no one can stay in forever um, is it going to be something, can we go all summer? Are we only really going to do two weeks? Like what, what will be normalcy for you guys? When will you go back to a movie theater? When will you go back to normal life? Like what's going to be the signal for this, for all of you? And I, I, my, my big picture thought is like, nothing's going to stop football. That's my cultural take. Like once football comes back, uh, all bets are off. Everyone's going to be going to bars. Everyone's going to be going. I, to I don't know, man. They're going to they're postponing the. Olympics. I don't agree with that. Like, I don't. I think something. Yeah. Baseball, though, no one. They pulled the plug. Baseball. On, no, baseball's already done. They, they pulled the, games the plug. Yeah, they they pulled the plug on the NBA. I mean, uh, they pulled the plug on my beloved ho- beloved hockey season when the Rangers. Yeah, were but no one cares about hockey. Shit, they pulled the plug Football. on the NBA uh, during the playoff race, and it's becoming increasingly obvious that they are never going to be able to. Yeah, but that was the hottest season. moment. So I don't think football like, is really going to be. Yeah, they're going to po- they're going to postpone the Olympics. They put it off forever, but they're going to. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, sports yeah. is not going to be it. It's going to really? be a vaccine. It's going to be that like the numbers are going a vaccines down long next year. So, no, but but the, I mean, I think the more pressing thing is is not what's going to save us. It's going to be like what is going to force people or compel people to leave their houses, and I think it's just going to be. Uh, you know, lethargy and like you know, giving up and, and sort of nice um, going long enough without being sick and nice weather. It's sort of going to be a perfect storm. And the problem is that, um, contrary to I think a lot of what you hear, especially from the political side of things, it, you can't like it only takes a couple of people or a super spreader in the wrong place at the wrong time to uh, reignite an entire cluster, which could become an entirely different. Uh, epidemic here i mean it's 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 this is such an interesting and terrible phenomenon of human nature that it's a problem that has such an obvious and uh and coherent solution it's so clean this idea of just stay home for two weeks someone tweeted today something that i will butcher a poetic thought they were passing along about how like the virus doesn't move. We move. We move the virus. Like we tra- help the virus travel. We are its vehicle. But the virus is standing still. Um, if we all stood still, the virus would stop moving. And we cannot en masse get ourselves to do that. And it's kind of amazing. But it's not like, on us necessarily. All, it's, it's all it's possible. Life doesn't make it that easy. Like you can't. I, I understand that. I mean, I'm not. Were you looking for a clean answer? Right. Because I could say Halloween if that means the podcast is over. <laughs> You're not going to end this I, podcast on my one. I'm holding out hopes for the Toronto Film Festival. I'm hoping really? that I get to, I don't know. I like really want to go. So I hope that I get to go in early September and then there's a way for that to happen. I guess that's, that's my question. I, when will I you would go be... back and sit in a movie theater and feel good about yourself without worrying if about it, this? If, 
if the culture feels good enough for that festival to happen, then yes. But you know, it de- that depends on. I, I don't think they're going to do it if it's risky in that circumstance. Um, and David, you sound like you're skeptical that'll even happen. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I don't. I don't have a good enough understanding of how a virus like this could reignite. Um, so I don't want to pretend that I do, but I feel like uh, I would be, you know, absolutely heartbroken if Toronto doesn't happen. I think pushing can to June or July allowed me to delay that crushing inevitability a little bit longer, but the, I don't know how you, I mean, I, I guess you saw in like, China and South Korea, when they tested, 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 and they had thermometers everywhere. I mean, at every entrance point of every kind of facility, and they were able to cordon off people who were running temperatures, new tested positive, and they were able to isolate the virus in that way. But short of having testing of that uh, ubiquity and that stringency, I don't know how you can really safeguard public places. And so I think... We can't really, as far as I understand it, we can't really expect that to happen until we introduce those measures, until we make it so that, like, standing inside of the Bell light box at TIFF, you have someone taking temperatures, and if you're running hot, sorry, you're not going to get to go see the new fucking, I don't know, whatever movie. <laughs> what are movies? Are there, are there movies? Makes them? I don't know. But, <laughs> the new Ron but, Howard. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, the Hillbilly Elegy. It's obviously May. <laughs> When are we going to get to see um, Mank is the question. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. Holy shit. Dave. I just feel like Americans, like our whole, our whole thing about, our, about uh, independence and liberty, personal liberties and going our own way. I mean, it's, we realize we don't really have a country right now and we barely have a federation of states. Uh, it's just a loose conglomerate of companies that are in personal responsibility that, many too many people are not responsible enough to uh, take up and without an organizing framework without any real leadership it's just really hard to imagine how we're going to be able to pull this off without instituting draconian measures that our president refuses to implement because it would cost him too much money and all of his support comes from billionaires who uh, have promised you know or whatever so on and so forth i don't know i lack the the imaginative capability to picture how this is going to end uh in our country i do foresee a time potentially where the virus will be so eradicated in other countries that there'll be like very premium travel tourism from america like want to visit it'd be like going to fucking westworld like dare to imagine visiting a place where you can touch other people consensually. They're not fucking fucking fuck toy robots who you can murder and rape, but you can just have a handshake with them. Uh, it's called China. And you can go there if you wait in a dark room for 14 days first, because we have to quarantine any Americans. Uh, like I see this as being something that people are going to have to do because America is still going to be in the throes of this while the rest of the world has already cleaned up their mess. But I don't know. Halloween. 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 Halloween was the answer. Yeah, because you have to go to your neighbor's Halloween. house and accept food from them. Like, Wait, you can, a you real can, you can be wearing a mask, but it's also like we might all be over it. So like maybe that's the event that gets us out of our houses. Love to put my hand in a candy bowl. <laughs> that other people have that other touched. People have touched. Mm. <laughs> we will have prepped for it by months by then. So you'll get all your candy through T-shirt gun at the end of the driveway. No, that would be awesome. Just a cannon. 
We're yeah. pivoting to cannons. If we, if we start building it now, oh, it'll yeah. be ready by Halloween, <laughs> and it'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, you have to test the candy cannon for, like, 18 months. <laughs> Make sure that you're not just senselessly murdering small children. No, with, no, I think like, this, is, well, this is, this is a compassionate uh, a compassionate case where we are allowed, right. allowed to skip testing the government the candy is cannon. sanctioning early candy cannon use. God bless it. That's nice. Oh, uh, boy. Do it, Let's Katie. Go Let's go to bed. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're not going anywhere. I mean, we Here could. we are. I don't, know. I don't know where we're going. Uh, On the road. Oh, God. On it Twitch? is weird how every... I mean, I feel like this is the first week of the last two that we've done where I've been like, next week will probably be more of the same. Like, it doesn't feel like everything is so rapidly changing and devolving. But then again, I'm going to say this in next week. Oh, no. Me and the huts. I have no idea. I mean, well, there's yeah, lots coming gonna, out. I mean, next week is going to be bad. I mean, it's going to be bad. I mean, things are going to be bad. Still, things are going to be bad in the yeah, world. I yeah. feel personally, I will probably be in the same spot that I'm Guys, now. the Picard finale is not going to be that bad. <laughs> yeah, next week, tune in while Patches and I talk about the Picard <laughs> the finale. The Steven Universe finale. The final four David episodes. continues his dark oh, I, spiral into I was just talking questioning about everyone's fact. mortality. I, I was just talking about the fact that Curb Your Enthusiasm is over. I, what were you guys referring to in terms of... Uh, uh, more <laughs> more Westworld screeners that I have to watch. Oh, no. <laughs> guys, Ed Helms uh, has a new Netflix movie coming out in two weeks. We're fine. Uh, oh, thank God I'm on paternity leave. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I am the senior editor at Polygon.com. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. We have a website, BitingInTheWorm.com, where you can listen to the episodes. And you should really share the links to that uh, website with friends who are sitting at home so they can experience the joy of these episodes that we're putting out right now. (laughs) They're a lot of fun. We usually talk about movies. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, I'm David Ehrlich. Uh, I am senior film critic for IndieWire, although I am on a very fortuitously timed parental leave for the next four weeks, so you won't see a lot of my writing there. I did review The Resistance, a VOD movie this Friday, where Jesse Eisenberg plays iconic French mime Marcel Marceau during the Holocaust. Uh, it sounds like something I just made up, and I wish it were, but he's good <laughs> in it. Um, you can uh, find me on Twitter, David Earl. You can find all of us on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room. Please do drop on by, leave us a note. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room. We'll, leave it, we'll read it on the show uh, now more than ever. Movies now more than ever. Uh, it's, it's good to know that you're out there. And I'm David the Seven. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E. You can also find me on my other podcast, The Storm, a lost rewatch podcast. You know which, what doesn't stop, <laughs> despite a pandemic, is when you decide to rewatch an entire series of a six season television show week to week, uh, from remote locations to begin with. So if you want some normalcy of things going normal, The Storm, a lost rewatch podcast. Oh, also go to Polygon.com and watch the Marvel films in the correct order. Uh, I that said was a so. good piece. Oh, no, we yeah, didn't talk I, about the comic book shops and why that's a disaster. Oh, well, Katie, we'll, we'll explain we'll, that later. We'll talk yeah, about we'll, why things that you like comics uh, have been falling apart and my thing that I like Oscars are going to fall apart. I uh, can't wait. Um, I'm Katie Rich. Uh, I'm at VanityFair.com. Not writing much because I have children to take care of. Uh, and I'm on the Little Goldman podcast where this week, I believe, uh, if things come together, David Ehrlich is going to be on. 
probably just talking to me. Uh, yeah, we have to, uh, <laughs> we have to record it. <laughs> it still has to happen, but maybe by the time you hear this, it will, it will have already aired. Uh, what else? I'm on Twitter at Katie Rich, K A T E Y R I C H. And we're all on Twitter talking to you about whatever, cause we're all around. Uh, but you can also answer this week. Oh, at F I T W R. And you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was. In honor of the ongoing pandemic situation, what's the latest podcast you listened to that we weren't on? Oh, that like us or like a person, the person answering the question. Well, I think we like the fighting in the war room people because oh, they okay. just listened to this. That's true. Okay, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum. I'm done. I'm done. We're done.